This is the Farm Hop Life Men's Forum, number 13. Uh, this is the wrong uh, notes. Uh, I am Matthew Rocher of the Farm Hop Life, and tonight we have... Go ahead, Chris. Christopher Devidal. Of? Uh, Secure Farm, Secure Coop. Nice. And yeah. also we have Joseph. Introduce yourself, Joseph. Joseph Smith, not a Mormon. <laughs> the Smith Homestead. Excellent. Um, where are you both located? Uh, Hollister, Florida, outside of Gainesville. Nice. Yep. I'm and coming in from the Gulf Coast of Mississippi. Gulf Coast of Mississippi. Nice. Very good. Um, so, uh, Joseph, what we what we do to sh we share personal events first, like. What's something that was notable in the last week that you're like, hell yeah, that was uh, that was good. Or maybe not so good. That's fine, too. Um, Chris, why don't you start us off? Yeah, it was a it was a slow week for me. Just wasn't I was doing it. I've been dragging my butt all week. Um, you're not in a kid's laptop popped up. No, it was a slow week, and uh, but I, I did work a lot on the uh, secure coop infrastructure. Got um, migrating to a couple of di a few different servers and setting up database failover, and setting up web server failover, and uh, getting that working right. Um, and so that with uh, with a uh, with a database that like that, you can you can have your database fail completely crash. And it's backed up to the second uh, on this on the other server. So you just go in and flip a switch, and it and it flips over. You know, so uh, nice. yeah, uh, encryption with all that. So even though I wasn't, I was kind of dragging my butt and not really getting active and doing out things outdoors as much. Uh, still, just trying to stay on top of things, stay productive. Good. Yeah. Uh, Joseph, how about you? Um, not too much going on around here. Um, a couple things today, uh, big deal for me. My daughter accepted Christ today. She's eight years old. Hey. Um, Congrats, dude. And then, uh, second, second thing is, uh, right before we got on, uh, my, my oldest son just checked the beehive. And, um, uh, so we started out real quick backstory. We started out with one nook last year. Uh, they've already split once this year. We've had a huge harvest. Uh, they're now three boxes deep on that hive. They've already filled it up. They're ready to split again. And uh, I'm about to get a massive honey harvest. Wow. And uh, all, along those lines, I uh, just found out Mississippi changed their, their uh, laws dealing with honey. And I can now sell online. So I'm excited about that. Nice. Well, you're having a better success than we did. Both of our hives uh, fled. It was so disappointing. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Well, I know where you couple can buy years honey. Ago, uh, <laughs> couple of years ago, I lost seven hives within a week. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I, I know that. That I hold 70,000 bees. Seven, 70,000 bees is seven hives? That sounds crazy. Yeah, it's... Uh, 70,000 per hive, right? Uh, I'm, mine was mine were probably ten to twenty thousand per hive when I lost them. Um, no, my neighbor sprayed his field, and oh, within a week, yeah. within a week they were either gone or dead. 
some of my hives were just full of dead bees. Some of the hives were just completely empty. Oh man, that's that's terrible. Well, at least this year you're you're rocking and buzzing. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, um, I went into our our hive last year, late last year. I had been away for a month, and I come back, and they were totally just like there was like uh, moth larvae. What's going on? And then the second hive, after about two months, I went back, had the same situation. I was away for about a month, come back and open up, and once again, just just nothing inside, like a few dead bees inside. And it just, it was, so, it was weird. It was my first time doing it. I, I don't know what I did wrong, but they were, neither hive were very strong. They were always just a little weak and never, never developed beyond a few, um, frames like eight five or eight, five or six or seven frames was all they ever filled out and uh i i i'm sure i chucked it up to inexperience and we're gonna try try again what uh what breed were you were you uh growing uh, i don't recall it was something from the dant i'm guessing it was italian uh it was something okay. from the dant. yeah it was a, yeah. It was a little oh. dant uh outlet not far like an hour away from here I, i've got somebody yeah, we- in our church who is a uh, keep some and they'll they're gonna sell me some next. Okay, yeah, we have uh, we struggled with our Italians. We switched to Russians. Um, they're they're much more aggressive. I mean, they're they're seriously more aggressive bees, but their honey production is insane. Oh, uh, the build rate is insane. And and honestly, this is only the third time we've messed with the hive this year. You, you just kind of leave them alone. And they do their thing. Wow. Um, but you got you got to wear a beast seat to mow a uh, bee suit to mow around there so i mean they're they're pretty aggressive wow now i i'm I, me being new to it i've just always been nervous about getting stung and i always always wear the full suit anytime i was going in i just was, didn't didn't want the thought of i know a little bit of a wussy as far as that regard that goes <laughs> i don't know five yeah, days kind of seems like too much <laughs> well well that's, that's what i tell everyone we've been beekeeping for seven years now um you're gonna get stung it doesn't matter what you yeah. do you're gonna get stung sooner yeah. or later yeah i need to get over it what if we find out, out you're allergic chris chris then prefer. i'll then i'll figure it out i'll just <laughs> i Got don't have happy any pen. allergies yeah i'll figure it out then we'll just get rid of them or you know sell the equipment or something we'll figure it out nice um my personal event, the, uh, my, my son Milo and I went up to the city to visit my wife and my daughter and just kind of pretended to be a family for a weekend. <laughs> uh, and it was, it was pretty nice, even though um, my wife and I barely got to see each other. We got to sneak in uh, half an hour of a show on Netflix for the whole weekend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cause like, like my son can't come into the Nikki with, with my daughter. It's not allowed. And, uh, and so, okay. So somebody always needs to be with him. And so my wife and I are basically just like trading, like who's going to go see Milo, who's going to go see Lila and blah, blah, blah. And, um, so we still never really get to see each other that much. And it's, uh, someone always gets left out and behind. And so I don't know. It's, but it was good. Uh, it's good for it's good for my wife to be able to spend like a whole weekend with 
with Milo. Um, so. Excellent. Okay, yeah, we got to... So once you get that uh, that, thing, that thing you were telling me about, it will uh, will there will that settle it? Then you'll be able to come home. Uh, in time. Yeah. In time. Yep. All right. How's it going, Warlord? Oh no, we got bad feedback. Yeah, he's coming in badly. Warlord, I'm gonna kick you out. Kick. Kick. Whoops. I didn't mean to do that part. Okay. Whoops. Sorry. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to apologize right now. Okay. Do um, you guys want to roll into the main topic? Let's go. Okay. So. I'm ready. Okay. So you two. It's funny that you two showed up to this one specifically um, because Christopher, you've mentioned it uh, several times on a couple of episodes. Yeah. And, um, Joseph, you have talked about it, uh, in tweets, in tweet form before. And so like the great reset, the, like world economic forum, the, um, uh, like, are we, are we headed for a recession, planned depression, anything like that? Um, why don't, why don't you go ahead, Chris? Yeah. Well, it's, it's definitely the stated goals of these uh, elitists that are highly connected with lots and lots of big names like the, uh, you know, the, the Prince of, of Wales and, uh, you know, big companies. And, and now the, um, the two contenders to replace Boris Johnson in, in, um, in England are both, um, both working for uh, – this working working with this World Economic Forum and the International Money Monetary Fund, and uh, uh, watching people like George Gammon and um, uh, and uh, Heresy uh, Financial, they describe in a situation where the U.S. dollar is looking better than other currencies, and uh, because it's more expensive than other currencies. The other emerging nations are having to uh, pay off their debts, well, which they have in their debts are enumerated in American dollars. And so, as the U.S. dollar gets more expensive, they have to pay more money to pay off their own debts. And so, they're going broker and broker and broker. And as a result, they're, they're going to have to sell off their properties, their farmlands, their their assets and these other nations. And then the, the World Economic Forum and the International Monetary Fund are the lenders of last resort. They can, they can give money to these these nations and then, you know, promise, uh, you know, these properties in exchange for them. So it's, it's sort of a play that you can see happening where uh, they're intending, they're going to be able to snatch up properties and assets for just, just cheap, just pennies on the dollar. And, uh, and so I wouldn't want to be in another country. And I don't know how well it's affected us here, uh, but it's just such a dicey situation. I, I don't like it, what's, what's happening. And so you know, all of us are concerned about our food while we're here doing farm stuff. Um, and I just think that it's not just going to be our, for our health. It's going to be for our livelihood. And everything. 
So are we going into Great Depression, Great Reset? Um, could be if they don't handle it well. It could be a depression. Uh, likely going to be a depression. There's just the fundamentals are so bad. You know, the underlying fundamentals of everything that they're that the that the economy is, is rolling on is just, is just so bad that I just I see it being very precarious. So that's where I'm at. No, that makes a lot of sense. That's where I'm at. Um, Warlord, do you have anything to say about that? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, spot on. Spot on. Uh, and a lot of this is being uh, run by the central bankers. Uh, quite simply, they've inflated all of these currencies, the U.S. dollar especially, uh, but, uh, you know, everybody's uh, currencies have been so inflated. But the U.S. dollar... Uh, is going to take a particular hit because it is currently the uh, world reserve currency. And if it loses that position as world reserve currency, uh, and there are a lot of forces trying to do exactly that, including uh, BRICS, you know, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, and China. Uh, they're trying to come up with a reserve currency of their own to dethrone the U.S. dollar. Should that happen, that's going to be a serious problem for uh, those of us who mostly hold dollars. And uh, that's going to cause massive inflation here, uh, beyond what we're seeing in other countries right now. Uh, right now, there's across-the-board inflation simply because everybody's been doing this modern monetary policy which uh, sells out uh, the, the economies uh, doing this practice for uh, the promise of, uh, you know, spending in the short run, but in the long run, you know, the chickens do come home to roost. Uh, so... In order to stave off the inflation and all of these bad practices, one of the things that uh, a lot of these um, elites are trying to do is reset economy, which uh, is not beneficial to anybody but them. So, yeah, hence why we farm. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the... Uh, modern, well, what's the acronym? MMT, Modern Monetary Theory. I think um, Cyprian calls it uh, magic, magic, ta-da. Like, their, their monet, it just has, like, no, I mean, it's just, like, magic money. Like, you want to talk about real magic money? I think I've mentioned before, like, it blows my mind how the world is ran. Uh, I do not understand how anything gets done uh, with these dumb little pieces of paper we call money. It doesn't make any sense to me. If I could uh, touch on a couple things there. Um, first, the uh, new world of currency they're working on, I read an article yesterday that came out 
uh, China and Russia have come together to form a reserve currency based off of rare earth minerals. Whereas, you know, the U.S. dollar is based off of oil, and oil has been the driving factor of the last century. Uh, our modern technology requires what? It all requires rare earth minerals that China and Russia hold the uh, monopoly on for the most part. So there's a, a definitely big threat there. Um, like I said, I read that on Bitcoin.com yesterday, and then I found another article today backing it up. And the second, back in May, when the G20 got together, um, they agreed to work towards a goal of a World Bank digital currency to replace all currencies, to put everybody onto the same currency. Um, you know, obviously, I don't have to go into the downsides of that. Most people listening to this probably understand. But you're looking at um, not being able to spend your money the way you want to spend it because it's all digital. It's all controlled by computer systems, right? So think about, like, the red flag laws that they're trying to get passed everywhere. If you're deemed a threat, they can shut you out from buying ammunition or guns or or whatever it is you're going for. Um, the Trump, like they do in China with the uh, social ranking system, um, I know they're trying to implement something in Canada. There's talks about something similar here. You know, if you're a bad citizen, you can't go to the grocery store and buy food. So it's really coming down to a to control. You know, you you control the money, you control everything, you control the food, you control the masses. Yeah, and one of the ways that China actually has begun to implement that because they already do have a dollar a digital currency, and uh, it's got an expiration date. So that pushes inflation. That pushes the uh, the demand for that currency. It, it causes it to flow out of the person's bank account because well, if I don't spend it, I'm going to lose it. So I better buy something. So they go out and they immediately take that money and do that. And, and that, that ramps up their inflation to sort of push up their numbers and make their, you know, because some inflation can help a, a government, you know, so they, they want some inflation. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely about control. Um, well, so, Yeah, yeah. Now, if you if you uh, listen to Keynesian economics, uh, money saved is money lost to the economy, essentially. That really doesn't work like that. But uh, a lot of these people pushing these policies are Keynesian at heart. Uh, so their economics doesn't seem to fit real life at all. However. Um, if people spend all of their money then you know, because there's an expiration date on their money, uh, which I think is a fantastically twisted idea. Um, then we don't have to worry about people saving money. How do you save for retirement? I guess, I, I guess that doesn't really matter. Uh, since, uh, once you retire, you're no longer useful for the economy anyways. Right. Yeah. Uh, they, but I wonder, I wonder how it works for investment purposes. Well, in China, they, they really have not, they, you can't invest in the stock market in China. You can't really put money into much place else than real estate. So there has been an incredible boom uh, of Chinese real estate. Uh, it, it's so much, so bad that they would um, buy houses uh, and they would just like never get built or, you know, no one would ever live in them. 
and but this year it has sort of fallen on itself it started last year with the collapse of uh, several over leveraged uh, large enormous real estate companies and it's sort of tumbling down uh there was uh tanks in the street for trying to protect a uh, bank branch because people were trying to withdraw their cash from the bank branch and they were getting riotous and there's also long lists in china of people and it's growing like daily who are just refusing to pay their their mortgage payment because there's the value is just plummeting hmm. so what, what do they invest in they're they're, they're trying to for push them into real estate and it's just not working it, it'll work for a while they got it nice and red hot and now they're now it's not really going so you know who know china china is intimidating from our side of the pond but they've got many of their own problems and i, I heard a podcast i forget who it was with but he thinks that they're not going to last another 10 years so it's it, it, he he was drawing conclusion uh, comparisons to uh, the USSR in its final days, how it kind of had those death death throes. So we might see, a, a, you know, a big mess in China. That's um, interesting that because I had heard that the um, 1800s belonged to the British. Like think about the British Empire and the expansion of the 1800s. And the 1900s was like, you know, Industrial Revolution for the United States. Well, the, someone, I can't remember who it was, otherwise I'd give him credit, that the 2000s is going to belong to China. Like, that they're, they're hoping, from what I understand, which is like mm, very little, that they're just basically spending money, just hand over fist, just building up all this infrastructure in hopes that it saves them, more or less. So I don't know if, if anybody here can... Um, speak to that at all yeah and that's um the coming collapse of china um which i agree probably if in the next 10 years you know they do a really good job of, of sugarcoating everything and painting themselves out to be this perfect country and everything's working out right but that's propaganda is the main tool of communism so um if you look at how much they've been spending on their military recently they've really been building up they've created the uh, the first deep water aircraft carrier which, by the way, is still diesel powered. Um, they're still 40 years behind America in, in tech in that department. Um, but I really think it's not to to show themselves on the world stage. Like, I think that's a front, like the Belt and Road Initiative that they got going on in Africa and South America. I think it's kind of a front to, again, for the propaganda purposes, to make China look bigger and more powerful than they actually are. Their military is geared towards home defense. And I think for the protection of the Communist Party. So there, all this investment into the military, very few of it has been for them to to reach out across the world. Most of it has been at home defense mechanisms because I think they're going to collapse. The people is going to start rising up and, and the only hope the government has is to uh, oppress them militarily. Yeah, and they could still pull it off. I mean, you know, we don't want to pronounce them dead. But they've just got a lot of headwinds, and uh, they they do have that, like you said, they have that control that they can take, uh, which may work in their favor. You know, you can all you can, but uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves. I mean, you, you, there's only so much you can do with 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 pure power and raw 
control. So we'll have to wait and watch and see. I don't I don't think they'll fail like the USSR failed. Um, I think USSR will be around the day if they possess the technology that we have now uh, for that mechanism of control and propaganda. But uh, I, I don't. I, I think they're going to shrink as far as um, how big of a player they seem to be on the world stage now. I think we'll see that dr- drastically reduce in the next ten, maybe twenty years. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they're any going going away. Yeah, uh, one case. <laughs> Yeah, one case in point here. Uh, we all know that uh, that uh, China covets Taiwan. Well, the United States is not in a position to stop them. Uh, there are political interests that are basically in the pocket of China. What's stopping them? Seriously, what's stopping them from taking Taiwan? And the only answer that I could come up with is that if they devote military assets to trying to take over Taiwan and if they should get any pushback whatsoever, they're going to lose the home front because their own population will rise up and they cannot afford for that to happen. They've got to have their military at home. Hmm. I agree with that. You know, the skirmishes that went on last year between them and India uh, cost them seriously in morale, and China's military just has no bat, no no battle experience. They're all soldiers marching around on parade for the most part. And uh, couldn't they do some damage? Yeah, I think they could do some damage if they really invested all their force. But like you said, that would be too dangerous to empty the homeland of of all their military. And and what little offensive military they do have is all geared towards Taiwan. But even then, it's not very impressive. If Taiwan puts up a resistance like Ukraine has with Russia, it would really, really hurt China. How does China play into the uh, World Economic Forum and the Great Reset? They're very much uh, along that line of thinking, but it's a good question because they're lining they are they although they have that similar line of thinking uh that control and technology they are aligning themselves with russia so that is a good question i'm not sure quite how it all is going to work out i've been more thinking about you know how does this affect me personally you know it's interesting it's interesting nightly news but how is it going to affect me personally um but uh yeah that i see them coming Along, unless unless Russia and Putin is a um, a foil for the globalists to, you know, make it appear like he's against them, but that he's actually in the side working for them, it, it, the whole thing is twisted and it just gets you me me tied up in knots. Same. Yeah. I actually think the breakdown and yeah. And, uh, as far as. Go ahead, Warlord. He's just on a little bit of a delay. Go ahead, Warlord. Oh, if if I were Xi Jinping and I had essentially ultimate power within China, as long as the people don't revolt too much, uh, would I accept 
being second place to a global power that might tell me what to do? I don't think so. No, Xi Jinping is a smug character if I've ever seen one, and he likes where he sits at the top. I was just going to say, I, I see a breakdown of world politics being much like uh, 1981. And, you know, you had the three different factions controlling the world at that point, And they had these fake wars against each other and these fake enemies all for the point of controlling the population and the masses. And we've kind of seen that come out already with the. Uh, the jab and that being forced on people, kind of a, a bit of medical tyranny. I don't want to say anything. I might get your show flagged, but uh, that'd be great. Badge of honor. Yeah. So uh, that that's kind of how I see it playing out. I, I see two, maybe three different economic regions of the world, and they're going to always be battling for economic power with each other. And it's going to be, uh, you know, Russia and China leading one side of the of, of the battle, and you're going to have Europe, United States, the whole West leading the other side of it. Yeah, both of you guys said something that that triggered a memory of something I heard. I listened to a lot of podcasts on economics and they one of them one of them said you know what we're, what we're really going to be seeing is not an alignment at the top but various warlord factions at the top like yeah we all want to control the world and we all want to do it chinese style with social credit system we want to make sure you eat bugs and you'll be happy but i want to really run this show myself xi jinping or or uh klaus schwab i want to really be the one that that calls the shots here and so you're really not necessarily going to see in a, a large alignment. You could, we could be seeing uh, like uh, mafia bosses, you know, uh, trying to one up each other. That'd be Align. interesting to watch and suck to be involved in. <laughs> yeah, because all we get are the bugs. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Alliances, as long as it's beneficial and a bunch of backstabbing in the background. You got it. That's right. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's plausible. I wish I could tell you half of this stuff I hear where I hear it, but I just, you know, watch a lot of stuff. So, Just say you made it up, like you came up with it. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not that smart. <laughs> Speaking of eating bugs, I mean, we all homestead here. We all grow stuff. Um, yeah. Why don't we just uh, grow our own bugs and sell them to people that eat the bugs? I mean, let's profit off that. Why not? It's not a bad idea. Um, and uh, I, I imagine all of us are prepper-minded, survival-minded, and the thought has crossed my mind more than once to if I absolutely must, I will do that. And I'm not, that's like the last option, but you know, if I must, I will do that. I'm going to sell the best bugs in my valley. <laughs> yeah, I'm not against eating bugs. I'm against eating bugs that they process and feed to me. Right. Yeah, is this even a bug? What is this? Yeah. Uh, if, if, I mean, I, I see that there's an out like cricket flower and all of this other stuff. Uh, how do they harvest those? Do they use a cricket bat? <laughs> <laughs> they could. I bet they use like a butterfly net. Um. So, I saw something. Something interesting came up a couple days ago on Twitter, and I'm gonna see if I can uh, share this really quick. I bet nobody else but me saw this. Okay, share screen. Here we go. Nope, wrong one. This one. 
Okay, so financial stress index. Uh, values below zero suggest below average financial market stress while zeros above. While values above zero suggest above average financial market stress. Currently, negative 101.2. So what I said was, uh, uh, so obviously you can see the peaks at like, you know, 2008, 2009, and then, you know, it peaked in 2020 there. And uh, Barnabas said, seems not right. And I said, I know what you mean, but it makes, makes you think if all this FUD with inflation and blah, 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 is a big nothing burger because like you know we're all just waiting for uh i mean not just waiting we're preparing but honestly we're all kind of like holding our breath like what's gonna happen when's it gonna happen you know what i'm talking about like what if it's nothing or what if it's what if it's actually deflation that would actually be i'm more intimidated by deflation than inflation well i say well the, the, the fed can print money maybe I, I I listen to a lot of people and they have different uh, various uh, you know competing ideas about it and I so I, I wish I could regurgitate their their reasoning but one of the ways they say this is uh, see if I can say it right correctly is that you can't make people spend money and so uh, deflation I don't being prepper minded being it's being uh, you know I, I'm always uh, taking account any possibility. So, my my motto is expect the worst and hope for the best. Yeah, and I, that's yeah. that's kind of how I live in every aspect of it, whether it's economy or or you know supply chain issues yeah. we got going on now. I, I prepare for the worst, and you know if I spend thousands of hours and thousands of dollars preparing for something and never happens, I'm fine with that. Yeah, and yeah, I actually really hope I've wasted my time and money. To be <laughs> honest, well, we whether it's hyperinflation, whether it's deflation, both are symptoms. But are stagflation? They're all symptoms of a sick system that is dying, and it's kicking, and it's trying to, you know. So, do we? I mean. Everything's based on cycles, right? So, like, are we are we due for another recession or depression? Or, I mean, is that even a thing? Or, like, nah, it's not needed for, for like, a healthy economy, blah, blah, whatever. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think we're due for it only for, I don't know whether it's, a you know, a, like, the changing of the, of, of the moon or anything. Like, you know, 100 years, it has to happen. Uh, it's It's more of just the way... Uh, human beings grow and work and you know you know that saying uh, uh, hard times create strong men strong men create good times good times create weak men weak men create hard times so we go mm -hmm. in that cycle over and over and speaking about the hundred years thing if you uh, go back and look at the early 1900s the, the early 2000s here kind of kind of parallel in between the uh, the pandemic and war and you know financial issues of the economy, maybe maybe we, maybe it is a cycle. Maybe twenty years from now we are going to have another uh, Black Monday and stock market crashes and yeah, that would be something. That's exactly like it's planned. 
to a T. Like, oh, we'll just copy and paste. Well, if you, if you go back to the 1800s, you know, you see it there too. You had the War of 1812. You had the uh, tuberculosis pandemic going around. You know, it kind of, it's kind of a cycle. Halfway through the century, we had the American Civil War. Halfway through the 19th century, we had World War Two. So there's a, there's a little bit of a scary cycle there. You know, it doesn't mirror itself exactly, but a lot of the same factors seem to play out century after century. Well, I thought Warlord was going to say something. Now, oh, there he is. Yeah, there is a certain... Yeah, uh, there is a certain cycle to to the economy, uh, which is one of the reasons why uh, the government, at least the U.S. government, has tried to manage the economy more closely. The problem is that the more the U.S. government tries to manage the American economy, the more disastrous these downturns become. The idea was to make them uh, softer and lessen the impacts, but it has done anything but that. Uh, the people in government don't understand what it takes to run a good economy. They just don't. And uh, likewise, you know, when, you know, it should Klaus Schwab and George Soros and their friends succeed in this plan to create their idyllic utopia, uh, it's going to be it's going to be monstrous because they have these wild ideas of what everybody wants, but let's face it, the best uh, you know the best person to choose what you buy is you. And uh, that's going to be the number one market force that generates success. No government can make those decisions for us. Uh, no bunch of bankers can make those decisions. Only we can successfully run an economy, and that's each of us individually on our own. That's seven billion individual economies. We got a we got a quote here from Tocatcha Farm. I think they keep trying to stop natural cycles, cycles making things worse. Worse. Wow, can't talk. Uh, 2008. Uh, I kind of agree. Or is it is it a uh, they they tried to stop it, or is it like uh, trying to hold sand? I don't know. Or to catch chance, catch sand, whatever the whatever the term is. What do you guys think? See, I have my own little conspiracy theory. Let's hear about, it about the elites, and, and this is what uh, this is what it boils down to is ego. I honestly think they they feel so highly about themselves and their own opinions that they just assume everybody agrees with them, and what they think is right is what's right for everybody. You know, nobody's ever asked me what's right for me. I, no one's ever going to ask me. No, nobody high up's ever going to ask me what's right for me. You know, um, we talked about when when you interviewed me. You know, I've been home for two years working solely from the farm. I just want to be left alone. I, I want to make some income. I want to take care of my family and, and just live my life at peace. They don't want that for me, and they they don't think that I really want that. So I think there's a there's a lot of ego involved. Just really 
really they just think high of themselves because they all kind of share the same opinions, but they're viewing the world from an elite platform of wealth and power and um, trying to apply that to to those of us who don't care about wealth and power. Well, Matt, I want to go back to the question that you asked, uh, you know, should we be growing these things? Uh, that is a, that's a tough call. And, and we might know that more for sure in 10 years or so when, when, you know, bug cricket are all the rage and, and the, they're a hot item and we can start considering it. But for the immediate future, I'm thinking about like not necessarily um, human food, but but animal food. You know, like like our our chickens just just love black soldier fly larvae. And one of the future things I'm hoping to build is a a black soldier fly larvae uh, bin. You throw in your scraps that for the for the larvae to eat. They by nature are inclined to climb a little ramp and go into a little container so that you're collecting these larvae. And then when it's time for the chickens to come in, you ring the bell, ding, open the bottom of the, the bin and drop out the larvae. And then the, here come the chickens, you know, so starting to think about ways about harnessing the power of insects more and more and more for our animals that we, that we could consume, you know, healthy man, those chickens will, will, will just, be very healthy and, and good tasting on bugs and you know and, and things like that little critters you know taking permaculture principles and and catching june bugs and putting putting the the thing that the plant that the june bugs like right over the the chicken pen so that they drop down you know things like that so yeah uh, Katja said any, anything that supplement feed costs is a good idea and, and how how far can we take that i mean I know uh, chickens are very are omnivorous and they tend to like uh, bugs. You know, uh, how far can they go? Can you can you give them all of their feed on that? I mean, that'd be interesting to think about. So, uh, I teach a, an online class from time to time, and one thing I talked about actually is this this topic with the soldier flies. Uh, they're phenomenal on a compost. They do wonders for your compost. So, what we do. Once we get a good collection of them going, I turn the chickens loose on the compost. I, I don't have the fancy barrels that you spin and turn and everything, right? I just have the old-fashioned pile. Chickens get in there. They love the soldier flies. They scratch up the compost. They turn it. They they break it down, to, and you know it's, it's really beneficial. But we or I have been looking into vermiculture this year. I've been doing a lot of studying of vermiculture, raising worms. Also good for the chickens, and uh, we all know the benefit of worm castings for the garden, right? So, uh, yeah, it's definitely definitely something to look into, I think, is raising insects, raising worms, uh, using that as a feed supplement for your, for your chickens. And you're going to get a lot of support from a government who wants you to be doing that. You know, so you're not going to get regulations breathing down your neck. You're going to get a lot of – it's going to be a very uh, – an environment that promotes that kind of agriculture you know so you could just say that you're growing bugs for people to eat and like whoops my chips my chickens got to them <laughs> they keep doing that i don't know what's going on um i've got a i've got another comment we can read here uh hey guys i tried to explain to my children that our economy is like those dancing balloon guys we pump money into it and it inflates but then it starts to immediately deflate the more air is needed Thanks, uh, Squintin Quintin. That's kind of funny. Um, 
I mean, that is that's that's a pretty simple uh, analogy, and for uh, for a child to understand. Um, what do you guys think about that? Do you how do you explain the economy or inflation to a child? You could go with the, the million bottle caps story. You know, you have an island with a, a million bottle caps, and they use the I'm bottle caps. Uh, okay, I've heard this years ago, so I'm probably not going to get it right. Uh, but you had a million bottle caps on an island, and they used that, that to trade uh, back and forth mm. for their for their goods and services and things like that. And then one day, a uh, an enterprising lad flies in with another million bottle caps and suddenly you know you ask the child what happens when you do that so, you know, oh now now you got twice as many uh, available on the island and they start to circulate faster and faster you know does that did everyone get richer no they just changed the the, the the you know the number so gotcha yeah that's a good one i like that one too I think it was a DuckTales episode, actually. So you, <laughs> you can pull up the DuckTales episode. Uh, you know, hey, this is what I watched as a kid, and uh, it, it explains inflation. Um, we've got we got another. Uh, this this one's interesting for me too. So, Catch a Farm, Klaus and Company are a bunch of opportunistic vultures. So, didn't. Didn't Klaus Schwab write like the what the hell is that book? Like the fourth industrial something or the something something book? I think he did, yeah. And so all of a sudden, because he wrote this book, he just gets to like decide what's gonna happen next. And like everyone's like so everyone that, you know, can actually make these changes happen, like just is on board with this book and his plan and um, that never made any sense to me either. Like, what does this a-hole get to get to decide what we're all doing all of a sudden? Like, who was he before anything? You know? Yeah, you're correct. He did write that book, but he's been on the the WAS chairman for more than fifty years. So he's he's like well connected. You know, they listen to him. Oh, they clearly, like yeah. him. They respect him. They trust him. They think he's got these beautiful ideas, and you know. So they're they're following they're following him. He's the Pied Piper of the. So. OWEF like the Bilderberg groups. Just well, um, all one has to understand. Yeah, all one has to do to understand how opportunistic these people can be. Take a look at uh, one of the top. WEF guys, George Soros. The guy has destroyed economies by uh, causing revolutions and shorting the currencies of those uh, countries. And he, he's caused devastation. He's wanted in multiple countries for doing all kinds of awful things. Uh, but here he is, richer than Croesus. And living safely in, I guess, New York area, but uh, you know he's he's an influential member of the World Economic Forum, uh, and 
he has he has created nothing but nonprofit organizations, and uh, yeah, he, he he's a self-made billionaire. Didn't he get his start working with the Nazis? Uh, his, like, dad, his dad. His dad. Yes, his, his dad. dad. Yeah. Okay. I know I read something along those lines. Yeah. And they, oh. of course, they want to hide that, but that's true. No, <laughs> yeah, George Soros was a teenager during uh, World War II, and uh, he would evict people from their homes. Uh, it would not be surprising to me if that's how he got some of his seed investment. Uh, but I, you know, th that would be speculation on my part. Uh, I've seen interviews where he spoke of his time working with the Nazis as one of the best times of his life. So, uh, that's yeah, it's, uh, it, it's pretty grim. That's hilarious. So these these globalists they're they're gonna do they're gonna globalize they're gonna do what they're gonna do. And the question in my mind is always like you know how does this how do how do I cope with this? And I and one of the thoughts I had was all right so they want you to they want to eliminate fossil fuels uh, fossil fuel use or reduce it, get everybody riding trains and 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 you know in. I envision a, a not too distant future where the price of fuel, the price of, of, of parts, spare parts, the licenses, the taxes, and the driver's license, and the insurance are all way too expensive for ordinary Joes like us. We'll, we'll, we will ride electric Ubers, and we will be happy. And so what do you do when, you, when, when you're living in the country and suddenly your dually diesel pickup truck it doesn't matter if you can if you can make your own fuel you can't afford the driver's license you know what if they price that out of your range and so i i sort of puzzled on that for a while and i talked to my wife and i said we're not leaving the country i don't care what it is we're not leaving the country so we are not too we're about um uh, 10 miles from a city where we can get groceries I have a bicycle, I have off-grid solar, I have a lithium battery, and I have a trailer. I would make, if I had, if it came to it, I would make an electric horse. Where you take the uh, the off-grid the off-grid solar, you charge the lithium battery, put it on the trailer. You put a little motor on the trailer. A one horsepower motor is perfectly legal. There'd be nothing. There'd be nothing they could get me on. You know, I would I would pass through every checkpoint, and. Um, I'd be able to get to town, carry back a couple hundred pounds worth of supplies and groceries. Uh, so we're thinking about these globalists, and it's annoying what they're doing. But we've got to also be thinking about, you know, when their their plans. How are we going to how are we going to cope with that? How are we going to compensate for that? How are we going to work with that? Um, you know, they might make not not they would never confiscate your guns, perhaps, but they might make using your guns onerous. So you have to have license and you have to have insurance. And if you shoot somebody without this, they'll know. And if you, oh, you know, oh, this police officer was scheduled to go to your house. So they know that you were the last person to see this per this officer. There's a number of ways that they could make, you know, using guns a challenge. Um, 
uh, big businesses, Monsanto and Walmart, and discouraging mom and pop. You know, you know that that would push people out of the country. Oh, here's another one. If 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 you're in the country, and the city infrastructure, the electrical infrastructure in the city is in good shape, but the rural electrical infrastructure is poor, you're gonna see a brightly lit city off in the distance, and you're in the dark. I think a lot of people out here in the country would pack it up and say, "I've had it. I'm not doing that. They're gonna go into the country." So start to think about the things that they're going to demand from us and start to think about those ways in which you could potentially work around them. Well, it's kind of funny you talk about um, talk about that. I tweet quite often about uh, the only thing that's going to save the, the environment, the climate change crisis, all that, the fuel, the, the energy crisis that's coming is uh, going back to pre-industrial revolution technology. And, and people laugh when I, when I tweet that. And I'm actually kind of serious. So you're talking about rural folk being in the dark. I'd be fine with that. You know, it's it's a it's a fantastic thing. But I, I say all that to say this. I, I seen an article the other day that a company in uh, Sweden, I believe, they've created a cargo ship that is wind powered, and it's just a massive sailboat. It, it looks like what they were we were selling around in the 1800s, right? It just just more modern looking, right? Not not windy. It came with sails. So I think it's kind of funny. I think we are going to end up going back to uh, some of that, that pre-industrial technology. And I think we're going to have to, or we're going to have to figure out a way to incorporate modern tech into a more old fashioned way. Uh, like your, you know, the electric course thing you're talking about, you know, the, I think the only course going forward might be to, to try to marry the two modern tech and old tech together. Yeah. And, and, and survivalists and preppers cope. That's the way they, and the homesteaders, they are flexible and they cope. That's the, that's what, this how we survive. That's how we make it through. It, it's, it's 2022 and I light my living room at night with an oil lamp. It's already a practice for me. And, and part of that is, uh, part of that is my prepping mentality. Yeah. Um, I'm used to living a certain way. If I need to turn the light on, I got the light switch. I can turn the light on. But if I ever lose power and being in hurricane country, that that's not abnormal, especially this time of year. It's nothing for us to live four, five, six days without electricity. It's just because it's been practice. And any good prepper is going to practice what they prep. You know, you, you can have all the strategy and all the plans and all the gear and everything else you want, but if you don't practice using it, you know, it's really going to it's really going to hurt trying to come across that learning curve when it comes time to use it. Oh yeah, like. Uh, when I was supposed to do the interview with Warlord, I lost power half an hour beforehand. And because I'm a bad prepper, I didn't check my generator every month. And I, so I was scrambling right before the interview to run off an inverter off uh, battery off my truck. And it worked. It failed once during the interview, but I got it back up and running and uh, it was totally fine. And I'd never actually used that inverter before. So I was like, yeah, this is shit how it works. It's fine. But I had it. That was the thing. I had it. Yeah, we're all going to find that we have holes. And we're mm -hmm. going to, you know, and we're just going to cope. We're going to, you know, the first time the, the, the balloon goes up, we're, it's not going to be pretty. And we'll, we'll, oh crap. And then we'll, we'll have that opportunity 
uh, the next day to to do it right. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it matters how much a person preps and how much they practice their preps. If everything does happen, if the crap does hit the fan at some point, it's gonna take all of us a moment to uh, adapt and overcome this situation. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So we're coming close to time here. What? Uh. What do you guys want to? Uh talk about or cover that we didn't already cover or you wanted to expand on? Anybody? I got some, I got some uh, messages here. If we want to talk about yeah, that. Can't think of anything. Squinton Quinton. Uh, I actually haven't even pre-read this, so hopefully it's appropriate. <laughs> Absolutely. Our living room lights and charging station is 12 volt. We use it every day. Solar panels hanging out their windows to charge their personal battery banks. They like it. That's super cool. That's su that's really awesome. They like it and they're learning how important it is. So it's a it's it's a two for one. Dude. Oh yeah. Could, when, when you can make it fun for your kids, it, it just makes it that that much easier. Yeah, we, we go uh, car camping every, every any opportunity we can, which is, you know, pretty primitive. So that's yeah, that's true. But, um, you know, you yeah, to um, yeah, being a medievalist at heart, uh, um, a lot a lot of this stuff just comes so natural and uh, naturally to me, you know, uh, getting out, getting away from devices and so on. Um, but, uh, charging with solar panels is great until the solar panels fail. Hopefully that's 20 plus years down the road and some return to this kind of normalcy happens, but no guarantees. Uh, uh, the downside of prepping is that what we do staves off, uh, uh, loss of technologies and all of that. But what we need to do is we need to also come up with a plan for the long term that will last in the long term, uh, not batteries and solar panels, but uh, maybe bringing back some, uh, say, uh, use of draft animals for farming uh, and transportation and such. That is a sustainable technology. Yeah, that's assuming you can get horses in a uh, post-Great Reset world. I mean, you you see how they hate uh, cow farts. So I'm wondering how well we will be able to do horses or not. Or they just had to be extremely secretive about using them. Not, not sure. We'll have to wait and see. I, I think Warlord made a great point about um, um, so many people I know. Um, and I use solar panels too, don't get me wrong, but there may come a point in time where you've adapted to use all this technology and now it's not available. Solar panels will fail. Wind turbines will fail. Um, it's mechanical. Anything mechanical is going to fail. Um, here at my house, we do incorporate technology into what we do a lot, but we also try to, at some point in, in the season, use manual tools to keep those skills alive and going. Because you just never know when you're going to get to a point where uh, you're not going to be able to replace what breaks down. 
Yep. And that's where your um, uh, your bushcraft is going to be incredible. I love uh, Dave Canterbury watching him. Me, me and the boys watch with, with them. So. Yeah, that's what uh, we don't. You know, most preppers have bug out bags. We don't have bug out bags. We have bushcraft bags. <laughs> um, there's no MREs. There's no dehydrated foods. It's everything you need to actually live in the woods. If it comes down to living in the woods, you know, we're surrounded by national forest here. Yeah, and so, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say. I, I think. Uh, I think bushcraft skills is uh, far and beyond a greater prep than than yeah. all the prepper gear that you can possibly get yeah i was gonna say he he did a, a cool talk I'll, I'll pull up the link and send it to matt uh on on the, the tool centered nature of a uh a bushcraft where he's he's talking about um metal and, and you, you go to you you go anywhere in the woods and you find an old car you've got metal you can work with for a long time from, to make all kinds of great tools so uh, I'll pull it. I'll pull that that talk. I've seen it more than once, and I thought it was really fascinating. All right, that was a good talk. Um, last last uh, uh, comment here. Uh, this guy Quinton Squinton uh, came in in the middle. I invested bulk in seed for the next year, but it's good. Not really available these days. Sorghum buckwheat, loads of microgreen seeds. Not familiar with eating buckwheat. Um, so nice, nice. Good job, Squinton. Um, so you guys want to go around and plug your stuff? Chris, do you want to go first? Yeah. Securecoop.com. And, uh, don't forget the coupon farm, our farm hop life rocks. And, uh, I'm hoping to, uh, come out with the first product later on this year. Looking forward to it. Yep. He's, he's hustling. He's doing tons of work. I'm trying lots of, lots of money invested. Padre, go ahead. Yeah, uh, you can find me on smith-homestead.com. Uh, what we sell is uh, all homemade handcrafted products, all chemical-free uh, soaps, candles, things like that. Just things to uh, make life a little bit more pleasant without all the chemicals. Awesome. Warlord, I know you got tons of stuff to sell. I, I just uh, wanted to throw a shout out to that last comment. Uh, buckwheat pancakes. Just go with the buckwheat pancakes. That's all you can really do with buckwheat that's really particularly good. Um, I, I don't really have anything to plug per se. Uh, I just come out to uh, say hello to everybody and uh, uh, throw a few words around and see what's up. Uh, my Twitter tag is obligate varnicore say that three times you'll never never be able to say obligate carnivore again so uh obligate varnicore carnicore did i get it wrong uh obligate yeah uh uh there should be a, a varnicore on there but uh huh. you know i think i think so i don't remember. okay we'll figure it out later Okay, that's not important. Uh, okay, well, uh, I appreciate uh, everybody uh, watching, listening. I appreciate you guys uh, being here and joining me tonight. And no idea what we're going to talk about next week. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I have it. I have an idea. We'll we'll talk about. It. So, right. 
See you next week. Been fun.